when you're an overachiever, when you're used to working hard, those things don't just get shelved immediately because you become a mom. I know a lot of new moms, especially working moms, struggle with this. Welcome to Career Relaunch, the podcast focused on helping you create a more fulfilling career. My name is Joseph Liu, and I'm here to help you gain the clarity, confidence, and courage to overcome the challenges of making changes to your career so you can do more meaningful work and enjoy your professional life. In each episode, I feature people who have stepped off the beaten path to reinvent their careers and successfully make a major career change. We talk through their unique personal stories, the challenges they overcame, and the lessons they learned along the way to help you take your own brave steps to improve your career and life. Today, my guest is going to explain how she relaunched her career in mobile advertising and PR to become a maternal mental health advocate and mindfulness coach. We'll discuss the impact of motherhood, postpartum depression, and self-awareness on your professional outlook. Afterwards, I'll share my own challenges staying present in the moment and a couple ways I stay focused in my own career. Today, I'm speaking with Lisa Abramson, an entrepreneur, TEDx speaker, and maternal mental health advocate. She founded Wise Mama, a pregnancy and motherhood site, and mindfulness-based achievement, which teaches high-potential female leaders how to create sustainable success. Lisa was recently honored as one of the 100 most influential leaders empowering women worldwide by empowering a billion women. During my chat with Lisa, she's going to be sharing a very brave, honest account of her own struggles with postpartum psychosis, so I hope you find this as eye-opening as I did. If you want to learn more about Lisa or the topic of postpartum psychosis, you can go to careerrelaunch.net slash episode 28. Lisa spoke with me from Menlo Park, California. Okay, Lisa, well, thank you so much for joining me here on Career Relaunch. Thanks for having me. So we are going to try to cover a wide range of issues today as they relate to your career, including mindfulness, maternity leave, postpartum depression, and some of the needs of working moms, which I know you're an expert at a lot of these things. But can we just start by having you explain what you were focused on in your career and life before 2014? I was running marketing at a technology company, and this technology company was focused on mobile advertising. So I was a marketing executive and doing the traditional overachiever, climbing the corporate ladder thing, kept getting promotions and raises and ended up, before I was even 30, sitting in on board meetings and being an executive at this company. And on paper, everything looked great. I was named a woman to watch by a leading trade publication. And as soon as I got that award, I said, you know, watch me leave this industry. (laughs) That was the first reaction. I wasn't actually excited or proud. I was like, watch me leave and do something else. Because in my heart, I knew that, especially in the world of mobile advertising, putting ads on people's phones or selling things to people that don't need more stuff, I was never going to find deeper purpose and meaning in that. So my uh, crisis came early. (laughs) Winning that award, was that somehow a trigger for you to want to make a move out of the corporate world? In some ways, it made me realize how misaligned I was because everyone was congratulating me on it. And it felt like it should have been a really cool accomplishment, but it felt meaningless. And for me, yeah, it was eye-opening to say, you know, something that looks so good on paper and it seems impressive inside. And it's like, who cares? When did you start to realize that it was time to leave the corporate world and make a move to do something else? I had this stroke of enlightenment 
in my car driving, you know, up and down the freeway here in California in the 280. And I was in my car for about three hours every day because the traffic was really bad and commuting from San Francisco down to Mountain View. And it was in those car rides where it just struck me that life is too short and I really, it's time to make a change. But for me, that change didn't happen quickly. I actually went in and got all the courage I could muster up to go quit to my boss, who is the CEO. But the timing wasn't right. The startup needed me and we were raising a round of funding. And (laughs) he said, you know, please don't leave right now. This is really a bad time. And so I, I ended up staying a whole year after initially quitting. And what were your plans at that time? Were you thinking you were just going to continue to stay on indefinitely or what were you planning on doing next? I knew I wanted to do something drastically different, but I didn't have any idea. I sort of impulsively quit and thought I'll figure it out after I quit. And so actually that year gave me a lot of time to work on some small projects. I ended up managing a digital detox retreat where we went up into kind of a cabin in the woods. We actually took people's devices and had a weekend of connection with absolutely no technology. It gave me a lot of time to work frameworks and talk to people and start to noodle on ideas while I was still at the company. And I felt like it was kind of a relief to know my boss knew (laughs) that I was planning on leaving, but I wasn't going to start anything competitive. The reason why I mentioned 2014 before was I know that in early 2014, you had a life change. Yes. Can you just take us through what happened then? My husband and I decided we also wanted to start a family and that why not start working on trying to start a family while I was starting my company because you never know how long it's going to take or or what that road will look like. And so I ended up getting pregnant about a week after I quit my job and had to start a business. So (laughs) that was a lot at once. But at the time, I really didn't know any different. And it was motivating for me to know that come January 1st, I better have something that I've created and I'm working on because otherwise I might have committed career suicide inadvertently. (laughs) So before you went on what I'm going to call maternity leave here, I know that at this point you're working on your own business, but before the birth of your daughter, what did you envision your career plans to look like post maternity leave? I think I was a bit naive. I thought everything would keep ramping up and I'd take a short leave, maybe a month or so, be off of email for a short amount of time and then just jump right in, guns a-blazing. Because that is the hardest thing. Once you find work that you love and that motivates you, I was already a hard worker. And then I, I think I turned that dial up to... 200% when it was something that I was really passionate about and I love. So I think if you have a tendency to burn out in the corporate world, even in a situation where maybe you aren't entirely fulfilled, once you find that thing that fulfills you, you can also burn out doing work you love. For me, it was, I had a really hard time stepping away. I didn't want to stop. I had a lot of momentum I had built up in my business and it was exciting and I felt like it was helping people and making a difference. So it was hard to step away. Can you take me back to the moment when you had to shift from focusing on your career 
and this thing that you loved to focusing on being a mother and a parent? That awakening happened really quickly. Within a few weeks of having my daughter, Lucy, I ended up experiencing postpartum depression. that affects about one in seven new moms in the first year after childbirth. But I also experienced something called postpartum psychosis that affects about one in a thousand women. And that very quickly affected me um, where I couldn't sleep at night. I was confused and then paranoid. And then I ended up being hospitalized for 10 days in the psychiatric ward. So here I was teaching people about mindfulness and, and well-being. And then within a month of having my daughter, I was uh, involuntarily locked in a psychiatric ward for 10 days. So that happened. <laughs> and it was quite an intense experience. But the sleep deprivation, the stress of being a new mom and the hormones after birth, I had no idea that the combination of those things could have such a drastic effect on my life, but they certainly did. In your TEDx talk, you mentioned that within a few weeks, you felt like you were in a deep fog. And I know that you just alluded to postpartum psychosis and also postpartum depression. For those listeners who aren't familiar with this, can you just explain a little bit more about what it was like for you to have the postpartum psychosis and what makes that so much more intense than postpartum depression? It's a medical emergency. You do need to be treated immediately, usually going to the ER or going into a hospital because you lose touch with reality. I couldn't tell what was real and what wasn't real. I was hearing things. I thought that there was snipers on my rooftop and, you know, the police were coming after me. I had so many scenarios that now seem somewhat silly to even mention, but I can't tell you how real it felt in my bones and how terrifying it was. So when you're in that altered state, um, you absolutely need help because you can't tell what's real and what's unreal and you, and you can be a danger to yourself or to those around you. What happened next for you? I know you mentioned you were hospitalized for a few days. What did the next phase of this look like for you? I had to let go of a lot of my old ways of being. I had to accept a lot of support. My husband and I and our daughter, we moved in with my parents and lived there for a few months so I could do an intensive outpatient program. And I started my recovery. Um, and I can say, thankfully, because it was so severe and I got help right away, I feel like my recovery, once I could see clearly again, thanks to medications and getting more sleep, I said, you know, I don't want to just get better. I want to get stronger. I want to see how I contributed to this or and also let go of the ways that I didn't, because the truth is with any mental illness, sometimes we we just get the wrong cards and that's what we're dealt. And this was a case where I needed to just say, I'm not going to take responsibility that I've caused this or in any way part to play why it happened to me. I'm just going to accept it happened and then I'm going to figure out what I can do next. One of the things you mentioned was that prior to this happening, you were quite passionate about your career. And what impact did this have on how you then began to think about balancing career with being a mother? When you're 
an overachiever, when you're used to working hard, those things don't just get shelved immediately because you become a mom and that there's still a lot of my identity that's, it's Lisa. It's not just, I'm a mom first and foremost, I'm still myself. And that was the dialogue that I was conflicted with is like, where am I in this picture? And I know a lot of new moms, especially working moms struggle with this. You know, the later that we have children and the more established our careers are, we have a really solid sense of identity that we like, that we get fulfillment out of our career. And then everything kind of can change there once we have a child. When you think about this navigation as you were trying to balance the two, your career and also being a mother and being a parent, can you tell us a little bit more about what was the most challenging part of making sense of that? I had to go look for models of women that, and moms that I respected and admired that were doing the things I wanted to do. It was hard to find examples that resonated with me. That was part of the challenge was just like, who's really ambitious in their career and wants to achieve a lot, but is also the present mindful parent that's able to have the flexibility to spend time with their child or children. Um, I feel like we often see these extremes. You know, there was even an article I read last week that said, are moms allowed to love their jobs? Like, is that seemingly competitive with being the mother that they want to be? So there's a lot of those double standards that I think if you don't expose them and talk about them, they can kind of start to shape your influence. Being a mom is a huge strength. And I think it's a strength because it it makes you approach your work with more purpose. You're so much more rigorous about how you spend your time and if priorities are worth it or not. You're certainly more confident in your abilities. After you've birthed a child, you feel like you can take on the world. And I think you probably can. Um, your people skills go yeah, after you've negotiated with a toddler. You're like, I can <laughs> negotiate with anyone. Right. So just kind of focusing on what are the things that are additive and not seeing them as competitive forces in your life. So it was about integration for me and figuring out the ways that I wanted these things to come together. Now, a lot of the people I cross paths with, Lisa, tend to find their way forward in their careers only after they've hit a real low. What did you learn about yourself and your career after struggling with and ultimately overcoming this postpartum psychosis? I recently heard someone say, you can't fall off the floor. So that is a crappy experience to be down and kind of beaten down and at your lowest point. But at the same point, there is a little bit of comfort of saying, if I can rise up from this and if I can end up standing again, there really is nothing that I can't do. So I feel grateful that this experience is hard as it was. And as much as I resisted it and didn't want it to be that way, it made me realize I could do a lot more than I was capable of. And it was also humbling to know, you know, since I am teaching people and women, especially about mindfulness, I talk about how to lean in without burning out and how to balance all of these aspirations. It really 
solidified for me that you're going to have struggles. Life is going to be hard. But if you're working towards something that's meaningful for you and that is your purpose and that fulfills you and it involves helping other people, you can make it through any circumstance you find yourself in. That's what's really key there is making sure whatever you're doing, you know, we spend so much of our life working that it really, you feel like it means something to you. And I would say it also is making a difference in other people's lives because then you can get up the courage to do it. You know, the TEDx talk I did admitting to the world that I had gone temporarily insane and was locked in a psychiatric ward. I mean, I was about to throw up before I got up on stage to do that. But I was like, you know what? If it helps one mom feel less alone, I'll feel good about this. That was what I had to remind myself. Yeah, well, that's a great segue into what I'd like to wrap up with, Lisa, because I know that you are doing a lot of work that makes a difference in the lives of people. And I was wondering if you could just tell us a little bit more about the mindfulness-based achievement, which I know is something you've taught at quite a few companies there in Silicon Valley and beyond. Can you just tell us a little bit more about mindfulness and how you can use that in your career? Mindfulness is the key to more self-awareness and figuring out those things about what makes you tick. What the mindfulness-based achievement curriculum talks about is really about how to create sustainable success. And I think that that really lies on that principle of helping people uncover what it is that fulfills their purpose and their meaning, and then how to approach these big, bold, ambitious dreams and goals, but not do it in a way that neglects what's really important to you. What, Where are your values? And then how can you create a life that's rich and inclusive of all the things that are important to you? Even just meditating for five minutes a day, we found has a huge profound effect because as you know, we're getting bombarded 24-7 with notifications and emails and this feeling like we're in a constant rush. It's not as enjoyable as having a little space to breathe in our life. Yeah, that sounds like it would be really productive. I know <laughs> one of the things that I struggle with myself is just staying present. My mind is always drifting here and there and, and focused on the next thing. Do you have any tips on how one gains mindfulness? I know you mentioned just taking five minutes to meditate. Anything else that you think is useful to do? It could be as simple as just taking one breath and feeling that breath in your body or listening to sounds intently or feeling your feet on the ground. I think ways that we can just tap into our body can be helpful. And you don't have to meditate for 20 minutes or you know go on a retreat. You can just practice in those small moments or even with just five minutes a day, especially in the morning, I think makes a, a huge impact because we are just running around and we're constantly thinking about what's next, what's next. You know, I'm currently pregnant with my second. So my anchor is feeling kicks and feeling uh -huh. <laughs> a small being move in my belly. So that is what's working for me right now. But use technology to your advantage, you know, set a calendar reminder that says, take a deep breath, set it every couple of hours and just slow down whatever you're doing and just take one mindful breath. Before we go, I also wanted to touch on wise mama. 
which I know yeah. is a resource that you created to address the needs of working moms. I also noticed you mentioned that you've got to lean in without burning out. Do you have a tip for people out there who want to try to lean in without burning out? Really figure out what makes you tick or what you want to do with your life, what's most important to you, and don't do what I did, which is jump off the ledge without a plan. That's really stressful. And uh, it doesn't have to be that hard. There's people that have gone before you and there's people that can help you. So I'd say find a mastermind or work with a coach, have a supportive community, get a roadmap together. I think it's always easier when you have a plan in place and a framework. Now, I I got one more question for you because this is something that's on the top of my mind right now. Is there something that you've learned about parenthood and its effect on your career that you wished you had known before going into it? It all works out. I like to be in that belief that everyone is conspiring for my greatest good and that there's going to be twists and turns, but it's going to end up being okay. And to just take that long view that even if you can't see clearly in the moment that the pieces are going to come into place. I think parenthood is especially challenging in the first few years. And I know at least in the first few months, I thought I'm going to be tired and exhausted for the rest of my life. Well, that's, it's just not true. (laughs) You do eventually get to sleep again and you get a semblance of balance back. So remember to just take the long view. And um, there was actually a recent study that showed that moms are actually some of the most productive and engaged employees. It's just the first few years after they have a child that the productivity dips and that it's more challenging. But in the long term, you know, moms are amazing employees and incredibly valuable resources for the reasons I mentioned. If people want to learn more about postpartum depression or postpartum psychosis, the needs of working moms or any of the mindfulness topics that you've talked about here, where can people go to learn a little bit more about you? Yeah, you can go to wisemama.co, so wisemama.co, or check out my book. I created a book called The Wise Mama Guide to Maternity Leave that's available on Amazon. And that's called The Wise Mama Guide to Maternity Leave, Avoid Burnout, Bad Mom Syndrome, and Other Common Pitfalls of Motherhood. So that's a short 50-page primer that I think is a great place to start. We'll definitely include that in the show notes. And I can tell you, I've found this to be really useful because we're actually about to become parents ourselves for the first time in November. So I appreciate you telling us. Congratulations. Thank you. Thank you very (laughs) much. Uh, So I, I really appreciate you telling us how you navigated postpartum depression and psychosis, the mindfulness tips that you shared with us, and also, most importantly, how you overcame those dips and uh, that time of struggle for you in your career and your life. So I hope the work you're doing for working women out there continues to go well. Thank you so much. So I hope you enjoyed hearing Lisa's honest thoughts on postpartum psychosis, balancing motherhood with work, and the importance of mindfulness in your career. Now it's time to wrap up with today's Mental Fuel, where I'll share some of my own struggles with staying present and how I manage that. Before we get to today's Mental Fuel, I wanted to thank the Forest app for supporting this episode of Career Relaunch. Forest is the mobile app that helps you stay focused and present while also helping to plant real trees on the earth. Visit careerrelaunch.net slash forest to download the app for iOS or Android today. 
This is the part of the show called Mental Fuel, where I finish the show with a brief personal story related to one of the topics we covered today and wrap up with a simple challenge to help you move forward with your own career goals. So for today's Mental Fuel, I wanted to start by first of all saying if you've been listening to this and you now want to learn more about postpartum psychosis or depression, I've included a few links to some of Lisa's helpful resources at careerrelaunch.net slash episode 28. Since I'm not an authority on that topic myself, I'm going to instead devote this mental fuel to addressing another topic Lisa mentioned about mindfulness and staying present in your career. So I'm someone whose mind is constantly racing, and this is something I've actually felt more in my professional life now that I'm doing work that I find really meaningful. I'm constantly thinking about the state of my business, what additional resource I could create, the next video I want to record, the next podcast episode I want to produce. And on top of that, there's my personal life. I'm constantly thinking about what more I can do to be there for the people in my life, whether it's my wife, my mother, sister, my friends, or anyone else who's an important part of my life. And as you heard me mention at the end of my conversation with Lisa, if all goes smoothly, my wife and I are expecting our first baby girl any day now, which is very exciting and will soon be a huge priority for me. So when I think about how I have this tendency to plan and think ahead, And I combine that with my tendency to multitask, and I combine that with the fact I probably put a lot of pressure on myself to be there for everyone in my work life and personal life. It definitely creates a situation where I feel like my mind is racing a million miles an hour all the time. I wouldn't say I'm a huge alternative medicine guy, but in my last visit to Taiwan, I visited one of our family's trusted alternative healers. And after examining me, he told me, roughly translated, that my mind was too busy, which he warned could have an adverse long-term negative impact on my heart and body. So I'm not sure if this helps, but recently I've tried to do a few things to help me stay more present with my work as a way of me trying to avoid thinking about too many things at once and as a way of me trying to calm and focus my mind. So first, I've tried timing my tasks. I literally have a timer running right now to time out how long it takes me to record this script for this episode. It helps me avoid multitasking and mind wandering, but I'll admit it also creates a bit of pressure because I know I'm on the clock. Second, I've tried to create focus tasks, and this is where you use a task management app like Trello or Wonderlist to identify and commit to one single task you're working on so you can avoid flipping over to do something else. Now, in theory, this has helped me become more singularly focused, but I don't always take the time to organize my work this surgically because it's actually quite fluid at times. Finally, I've tried this idea of turning off notifications or wireless on my phone and computer, which does help prevent me from being distracted by one-off alerts, but I will admit that I sometimes still just manually check my email anyway. What about you? Do you ever find yourself thinking about the past or the future so much that you aren't focused on your present life and work? The examples I just shared of how I deal with staying present illustrate that I'm no pro at this but I am trying out some ways to try to get better at it. And I guess that's my point. I don't have things fully figured out myself, but I found this exercise of first, acknowledging the importance of being present, and second, trying to proactively explore tactics to stay more present to be really useful. I've actually felt more efficient, productive, and most importantly, at ease. This takes me to a quote from Amy Smart. The best gift we can have is living in the present moment and really enjoying it for what it is and not being in our heads and getting sidetracked. 
So if you also find yourself struggling to remain present with your work, or you catch yourself thinking about the past or future, or some other ball you're trying to juggle in your life, my challenge to you is to tinker with one new way of forcing yourself to be a bit more present when you're working on an important task or project. You could try one of the techniques Lisa or I mentioned, or you can try to find a way of doing this yourself. If you do have a good technique for this, I'd love for you to email me at joseph at careerrelaunch.net and let me know what works well for you. Before we wrap up, I just wanted to thank Hannah, a listener from Milwaukee, Wisconsin, for leaving this kind voicemail for me. I'm going to play the full two-minute message because she's also shared her own story of making a change in her copywriting career, which I hope can give you a quick glimpse into another person's decision to relaunch her career. Hi, Joseph. This is Hannah from Milwaukee, and I just wanted to say how grateful I am to have discovered the Career Relaunch podcast. I actually found you on YouTube. And it was your stage one, a career change, four signs you may be in the wrong job video. And instantly I felt this, wow, this person gets it feeling. And ever since then have followed and loved your videos, blog, and most especially your podcasts. And you give this super personable inside scoop and psychology behind how our jobs shape us. And for that, I thank you. In general, with my own career, I graduated from college as an English lit major and psychology minor and kind of just fell into this position as a retail copywriter. And about a year ago, I switched internally from one retail copywriting position and I went into a higher level, fast paced one and pretty quickly found myself miserable. I felt really burnt out and stressed out. I realized I was really tired of fashion and didn't want my skill set pegged into that one area. So I'm excited to say about a month ago, I scored a marketing writer position at a landscaping company. (laughs) Very different. Um, Love them writing more longer form. I feel more like myself again and couldn't be happier with this decision. Also, finally, the guts to start a blog a few months ago, and your content has given me courage to start new habits and a new job direction. So thank you for sharing all that you do, Joseph, and I'm happy to be a regular follower of yours. Well, Hannah, I'm really happy to hear you're enjoying the podcast and also appreciate you giving us a glimpse into your own career story, which I think demonstrates that sometimes proactively finding a way to apply your skills in a different sector can be enough to drive up your career satisfaction. So congratulations on making that move and really appreciate you being a part of our career relaunch listener community. I'm actually going to include a link to Hannah's blog, thebrightsteps.com in the show notes and my newsletter this week. So be sure to check out her writing. If you would also like to share your own story of career change or just share how this podcast has helped you, I'd love for you to leave me a voicemail with your thoughts at careerrelaunch.net slash episode 28. Your story might just help another listener learn from your example and take the brave leap themselves. Again, that's careerrelaunch.net slash episode 28, where you can also get a summary and all the show notes from today's episode. So if all goes smoothly, I'll be heading off on paternity leave myself literally any day now for the rest of 2017. I've got a few career relaunch episodes in the pipeline to last you through the end of the year. So I hope you'll enjoy listening to those episodes while I'm away. Thanks so much for being part of the career relaunch community. And a special thanks again to Lisa Abramson for sharing her personal story with us today. This episode was mixed by Richard Pennington. Electrocardiogram wrote and performed our original theme song. I'm Joseph Liu, and I'll see you next time.